Welcome to this special edition of the Ambition Podcast sponsored by GMAC. I'm David Whittell, Director of Marketing and Communications at Amber and BGA. The Graduate Management Admission Council, or GMAC, is a not-for-profit organization of 225 leading graduate business schools from around the world, actively committed to advancing the art and science of admissions. The Council provides the solutions necessary for business schools and candidates to discover and evaluate one another to ensure that talent never goes undiscovered. GMAC owns and administers the Graduate Management Admission Test, or GMAT exam, used by more than 6,500 graduate programs worldwide, as well as the NMAT by GMAC exam, used for entrance into graduate management programs in India. GMAC's suite of research, products and services go beyond testing and admissions and are built on decades of experience and rich market intelligence that addresses the diverse needs of schools and students. With that in mind, I caught up with Dr. Rahul Chudaha, Director of Industry Insights and Research Communications at GMAC to find out how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted business schools in terms of demand and strategy. I was also interested to gain his insight into how the diversity of cohorts might change in response to COVID-19 and how teaching and learning at business schools has adapted to travel restrictions. Well, hi, Rahul. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us today for the Ambition podcast. I thought it might be interesting if we kick off the interview with you, perhaps talking a little bit about yourself and your career, just to give us a little bit of background. Thanks, David, for inviting me to this podcast and uh, very much looking forward to this conversation. Uh, my name is Rahul Chadaha. I am Director of Research Communications and Industry Insights at GMAC, uh, based out of Washington, D.C. area. So born and brought up in India, I had uh, two career paths, uh, either pursue an engineering career path or pursue engineering career path. So that's what I did. Uh, uh, started with engineering, but then uh, did my MBA. And uh, I was really passionate about higher education as a sector uh, and took a very unconventional career path to join ISP Hyderabad uh, in admissions and recruitment. And uh, it really uh, solidified my interest and passion for higher education. And that's when I came to the U.S. Uh, to do my PhD. And uh, during my doctoral uh, process, I focused on my dissertation on competency-based curriculum for a master's program in engineering and business. So that had remained my area of uh, uh, interest in terms of engineering and uh, uh, business, which got shaped into more passion for higher education as a sector. And since then, I uh, have worked in New York and San Francisco area and now in D.C. uh, as an analyst and researcher focused on student choices and mobility trends and what what its implications are for enrollment strategies. Okay, thank you very much. So I'm speaking to you today using the the magic of virtual communications as I'm in London and you're obviously in the States. Um, And I think we're speaking at a time when the world's possibly facing one of the most um, unpredictable and unusual crises we've faced, certainly in my lifetime, um, with with COVID-19. How do you think the higher education sector in particular has responded to COVID-19, especially in terms of demand uh, from students and and, um, applicants? Right, David. So clearly we know that uh, COVID-19 has clearly changed uh, the world upside down in a matter of few weeks. And uh, what is uh, clearly a matter of uh, pleasant surprise for me 
in terms of higher education's response was not only the nature of the response, but the, the process by which higher education went about responding to the, uh, to the situation. So for example, the pandemic being so wide and broad in its scope has really created a lot of disruption for higher education and the students and the learning processes. But higher education responded by creating these interim solutions, online learning solutions, to ensure that there is a continuity of learning. And that was done at a much faster pace uh, than one would imagine because the popular common notion uh, of uh, higher education being slow to respond has, has not been the case. Here, higher education moved forward very promptly to come up with solutions. So uh, this, that's one part. The second part was the nature in, by which, in which uh, uh, higher education responded to this change. And that is by collaboration and innovation. Uh, unlike other sectors and industries, academia and higher education and business schools have a lot of peer-to-peer -peer learning among themselves to exchange information, ideas, best practices to make sure that even in this uncertain environment, we are together to create solutions which are good for the, for the students. I think you're absolutely right in terms of solutions and the reactions that the business schools have, have made during the current crisis. Um, but we did touch upon how a lot of business schools have very quickly taken their courses online. And I'm interested to find out how you think that might have an impact in applications going forward. So do you think that potential applicants would be open to the idea of completing an online course next year? Or do you think they would prefer to wait for a, perhaps a more on-campus experience? Right. Uh, so, so we know that uh, the journey and aspirations of uh, graduate management education students are shaped over months and even years. So coronavirus has really changed these situations in a matter of months, and that disruption is resetting some of the expectations. And one of the ways business schools have responded is to offer an opportunity to start the classes, let's say with online format in, in, in coming in the autumn. And uh, you can imagine that it's a, it's a new equation because the equation which the candidates would have started with had a unique mix of experiences, networks, uh, lived experiences in, in a location and a place. And those are quite different from a segment who was already predisposed to online learning. So the motivations, behavior, expectations are quite different. And that we are also seeing in a snapshot survey we conducted at GMAC to understand how candidates would potentially respond to online learning uh, in, in this, in this uh, autumn start. And we collected data from over uh, 1,800 candidates in April and May. And what we noticed is that about 18% of the candidates indicated that they would differ if the programs were to begin with the traditional online, uh, sorry, on-campus learning. However, the number doubles to 37% if the program were to start with an online format. So this shows that at least from the candidates who were already predisposed for on-campus learning, it may not be a very easy decision to switch to online learning, howsoever short that period is. And then just building from that, um, 
increasingly as as we move forward in the in the new normal i suppose of business education business schools are inherently global they're attracting and recruiting students from all over the world regardless of where they're based themselves how are you seeing business schools and their students dealing with global mobility restrictions in particular at the current time right david and um, i think i think you you said a, a very critical <laughs> point there that the context in which the business schools operate is is very much mirrored to the global nature of the business themselves. And so when we think from the value proposition offered to the candidate, it is about offering that opportunity to move forward in their career and even move global in their, in their career. And so for many international candidates, uh, uh, business schools offer a great launch pad to, to go ahead with their global careers. And of course, with uh, everything going around, mobility restrictions are not uh, going to help uh, international candidates. And, and it is really creating a, a real problem in terms of visa and travel restrictions. And it will it, it is unsurprising that some of the leading destinations such as the US and the UK, uh, which were already facing some challenges previously, uh, because of what has happened since 2016, the political uh, uh, uncertainty and the nationalistic overtone, which were taking place in, in these two destinations, uh, are, are just going to face another layer of major challenge uh, for in this immediate short term. However, this is also where the promise of potential regional mobility and the transnational education uh, may see some uptick. Uh, because students may try to explore options of gaining global learning while remaining at home or in their region. And, and on that note, you touched upon the, the political issues in the UK um, and, and other, other places around the world as well. But with the pandemic in particular, do you think that in the longer term, regions will be impacted differently as, as we move forward, as restrictions perhaps lift at different rates or quarantines come into place? Do you think that in the longer term, there'll be an, on, an ongoing impact on, on different regions? And, and how do you see that panning out? Right. Uh, at this point, uh, as we know, uh, one thing is very certain that nothing is certain, <laughs> that things are changing, situations are evolving, and hence the strategies and approaches are also shifting. Uh, one thing what is looking quite clear at this point of time is that uh, there will be some regional differences, the gap between uh, how different nations have responded to the scenarios of coronavirus uh, have been quite uh, varied. And that will also be manifested in terms of how they will uh, evolve in a short to medium term in terms of their economy, in terms of their travel restrictions, and likewise, the political landscape, which may also uh, emerge very differently over time. Uh, but one thing which I would say that uh, uh, in terms of the context of the global landscape of business education, uh, this is again resetting some of the balance between who goes where and why. Um, what I mean by it is that over the last several years, we have been noticing this growth of English taught programs in uh, Asia and Europe, in continental Europe. And that had been offering a new value proposition to candidates. And now because of coronavirus, as things again get reset, 
candidates may gravitate towards more value for money offering. And if their intention is more to remain within the region, uh, then there could be a potential uh, uptick for English taught programs in Asia and continental Europe as compared to traditional English speaking destinations. And then I suppose considering diversity and taking international diversity out of the conversation just for a second, because we've already discussed that. But I suppose with MBA programs in particular, diversity of cohorts is such a crucial aspect to the learning for for everyone within that particular cohort for, for the students. If people are more inclined to stay within their own regions or learn online, do you think there'll be an on ongoing impact, I suppose, on diversity in terms of gender, in terms of race, as we move forward? Is that something that you think could be further impacted? So we know over the years, uh, business schools have been making very proactive and conscious efforts to make sure that there is gender parity, especially in the MBA programs. And the good news is that there has been a progress. There has been uh, outcomes and results which were positive to show that, okay, there is more representation of uh, women candidates, both domestic and international, happening at business schools over time. Uh, however, uh, again, COVID-19 is presenting a scenario where uh, some of the efforts may really be put to test uh, because the gap may potentially again widen. Uh, and we are seeing this big in our, again, a snapshot data uh, survey we conducted. Uh, and in this data cut, we looked from March uh, and April. And uh, we specifically uh, asked about how concerned are the candidates about the impact of COVID-19 on their decision to pursue graduate business education. And we noticed that female candidates were more likely to report that they were concerned or extremely concerned. 41% uh, of female candidates as compared to 32% of male candidates. And so th there, there is already a higher degree of concern which female candidates were expressing. But what was also noticed uh, uh, during this time frame was that for male candidates, the degree of concern had stabilized in the last uh, 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 couple of uh, weeks. However, for female candidates, it continued to increase over, over, over the period. So there could be a potential that more female candidates may try to delay their plans or pursuit of GME, if not fully abandon it. And so what is needed from our, our community of business schools and associations and industry stakeholders to make sure that the, the efforts which we have put into this to uh, ensure the diversity of cohorts, especially the gender parity part of it, uh, does not get lost. And we continue to be proactive in investing uh, to attract and retain women candidates. Absolutely. And then I suppose considering the whole ecosystem of the business school, are you seeing already, or do you predict that you will see differences in the impact that COVID-19 is having on different courses. So for example, will the MBA be affected more than perhaps a master's in management or a DBA course? Do you think that's something that we'll see more of in the future emerging? That's a great question, David, actually, because uh, one of my um, research over the years have tried to focus on is to look into 
differences by uh, group population uh, in terms of their motivations, behavior, backgrounds, uh, and not putting them all into one big basket. Uh, so again, by program type, we know that there are uh, differences for MBA candidates versus specialized masters in management programs. And that is very much reflective of what kind of work experience they are bringing, what is driving them to, to pursue uh, business management education, and at what stage of their life and career. And that, that is also getting manifested in terms of how they are responding to the impact of COVID-19. So for example, uh, this data cut we looked into from March to May with over 2,200 respondents. And we asked, what, what alternatives are you considering due to the impact of COVID-19? And 11% uh, of MBA candidates reported that they were considering to apply to a university or a school in a different geographic area than they were originally planning. However, twice as many business master's candidates were saying, that is 21%, were saying that they are considering an alternative destination. So this is, this is one data point to indicate that the flexibility and openness uh, and mobility for business master's candidates, given, again, they have lesser number of work experience as compared to MBA candidates, could be more uh, to be considering alternatives than MBA candidates who nurture their ambition and career uh, for MBA over a long period of time. So, so these, these, these are, this is one example, but this will also manifest that how business schools uh, go about communicating and engaging MBA candidates versus specialized business masters for candidates, especially in these times of uncertainty. So for this podcast, I've been lucky enough to inter interview several experts like yourself in higher education and what's been coming across to me again and again is the optimistic angle that people are saying this time next year we're going to look back on 2020 and celebrate the innovations and successes that business schools have made across the world in in dealing with the crisis but also perhaps more importantly devising strategies moving forward um, it's all it's almost given them an opportunity to reflect and to think about what they want to do and and move forward positively and like i say strategically so from what you've seen, what do you think the implications of, of the changes that business schools are dealing with now will have on the strategies of tomorrow? Right, David. So we know that uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, but as we think about uh, planning for the future in terms of uncertainty and complexity, uh, there is one overarching question we can see irrespective of what reputation, location, uh, of business school is that how do we ensure that business schools remain sustainable and relevant in times of uncertainty and complexity, as you rightly said. Uh, so I'm going to borrow this analogy from a book called Cracking Complexity. And it talks about uh, an approach of tortoise and hare. So the traditional adage of slow and steady wins is not necessarily going to be a scenario in these times of complexity. And so what it means is that like a tortoise, one has to take time, 
pause, reflect, gather information, and understand the situation. But then, like a hare, move very fast to implement and be agile in terms of their implementation of the strategies and tactics. But this is not enough. Because of complexity and uncertainty, again, there will be new scenarios which will come in front of us, and we have to pause, gather more insights, and then move forward very fast and keep repeating it. So that is where we are in terms of how business school strategies will look like for future. Uh, we acted very promptly by putting together these online solutions. However, this is not done. Um, as we move into the start of the new academic semester, we may find new scenarios and new situations to deal with. And so that's where uh, I would leave with the, with the note that uh, a tortoise and hare approach is, is a way by which we can make sure that we continue to gather new insights, but also act upon them in a very proactive manner. And at GMAC, uh, this is one approach we are trying to take by continuing to gather candidate insights so that our industry stakeholders, associations, and business schools have all the right information about candidates to understand what their strategies and, uh, and practices may look like going forward. Uh, there's a lot more to uh, unfold uh, about coronavirus and more. Uh, however, we, we do see that there will be an opportunity for all, all of us to move forward and make our sector more stronger and better as we move forward. Yeah, I absolutely love that example of, of gathering insight and then moving forward proactively. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. It's been really insightful. And thank you for sharing your research and also some, some really useful practical takeaways that, that people can immediately sort of consider in their own workplaces and, and, and take forward. So we really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us for the podcast today. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you, David. And thank you very much for having me on it. Well, I'd like to thank Rahul once again for speaking to me today and also GMAC for sponsoring this podcast. And if you want to find out how GMAC can help you identify and select the right candidates for your programs, visit www.gmac.com.